This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is BFM 89.9, 29th of April at 6 o'clock in the morning. Tepat tepat, I'm Kusu Chong with Wong Shaoning and Tan Chen Li. Guess what, girls? After the end of today, we're going to have four lovely... In fact, more, maybe four. Five. Five, five that's okay, right. Okay, someone failed their Five meds. glorious, um, luxurious days of break. What are you guys going to do? Well, I haven't quite thought about it, but um, I was thinking maybe I would want to uh, work out every day. I want to do like this little goal. Every day I'll work out. That's Wong Shanning's daily And That's true, <laughs> routine, but la. I don't do it every day, you see. So I get to the time to do it and I plan to do it. All right, good stuff. What are you going to do, Wong? I'm going to exercise every day. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't any different from what I do. I know I'm a sad, sad woman. Both of you will have a combined age no, but of 300. I, I think I'm going to go run. I normally don't get a chance to go running outside because we start so early. But I'm going to try and do that for the next five days. That's really mm. good. What and also practice some of my new recipes. Oh. Which isn't any different from what I do on previous <laughs> weekends. I'm just going to stay in KL because I, I can yeah, imagine no traffic. You know, apparently two million cars are going to leave Kuala Lumpur, which is exactly why we're going to be talking to Professor uh, Kula, who is from um, the Global Alliance of NGOs for Road Safety. <laughs> about this topic, two million cars on the road, that's insane, right? Actually, in Penang, they're expecting what, three, I don't know how many million cars, but a lot of people. And Penang is a definite destination. Are you going to Penang? No, I'm going to avoid it like the plague because <laughs> when tourists arrive, it's, it's not very pleasant. It's not even tourists, it's your own countrymen. I mean, except well, yeah, for the Singaporeans yeah, who have turned up already. Are. But I think the roads, the highways are all going to be chocolate bog. The smaller towns are going to be extremely crowded. Maybe we'll get some respite in KL. Maybe, maybe. So from, from traffic, what are we going to talk about? And at 7.30, you're going to talk about refugee policies. And as we know, right, there, there was a lot of uh, headlines and also highlights also on our Rohingya uh, population issues. And so we want to hear out from Phil Robertson, Deputy Director, Asia Division, Human Rights Watch, on the global aspect. Because, you know, the refugee problem is not just in Malaysia, it's on a global basis. Okay, at 7.45, we will turn to suspicions of foul play because we're going to talk to Iskandar Ismail, the chief executive of MyCC, because there's apparently a chicken cartel going on. Uh-huh. So all that and more to watch out for and listen out for today, 6.02 in the morning, BFM 89.9. 6 in the morning on BFM 89.9, uh, we had Mama Told Me Not To Come by Three Dog Night and before that, Rudy by, Rudy by The Specials. No, <laughs> The Specials with a message to you, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell nowadays. Actually, these are old songs now. Yeah. I'm Chuang with Chen Li and uh, Wong Xiaoning. Atan and Wong. How are you guys? Stop uh. it now. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very, very erudite and very literary story uh, um, from the Atlantic. And uh, it's your story. Chen yes, Li, tell us about it. Well, it's not that literary. But anyway, they quoted Aristotle because Aristotle wrote extensively about failure. And There's the also man- the Greek philosopher. Exactly. Yes. Which is, I think, your idol maybe. And uh, he has written many he, types he about... Was poison, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he died quite a painful death, so I'm not sure Trong really wants to be here. Yeah, well. Anyway, yes, coming back to the title, so uh, the, it's actually, it's titled Sports Are Great because they are pointless, but it's actually not so much about sports and, and the effects of it. But it's about failure, which, you know, um, which is translated as friendship or affection. Um, and the highest form of failure is often includes uh, a common love for a third thing and often this is shared interest uh, or in terms of how it brings friends together so I want to pose a question to you guys, what is the fundamental of bonds 
when it comes to forming bonds with family and friends. Okay, I want to correct myself. He didn't die. He was. I mean, he did die, obviously. He wouldn't live forever. He <laughs> Unless did, he was Peter Pan. He died oh. of natural causes. I think I got so confused. So he wasn't poisoned. He wasn't poisoned. That's probably another Greek philosopher. <laughs> Somebody definitely was poisoned another along the way. Another tragic end somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, somewhere. It's a Greek tragedy, yes, right? Yes, yes. So bonds, bonds, not the financial kind, uh, shouting. The kind that get me the excited. Kind, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> More so, like relationship, relationship. Mm. So like how, what is the fundamental when it comes to forming a relationship with friends and families? Because you can't be just meeting them and then have nothing in common to talk about, right? I think for me, uh, it's, a, it's a shared interest in a particular lifestyle. Mm. So we either enjoy eating out together a lot or we just like to hang out. And the things that make us laugh are the same. We have the same kind of interests, types of communication. We like holidays, for example. We read similar books. For me, it's more than more more than it's more that than sports because this article in the Atlantic is very much focused on sports, Sports. which I don't do so much. And for me, funnily enough, even though I exercise a lot and I run, it's something I do on my own. Yours is the solitary variety. Yeah, and I enjoy it because I get to zone out. I don't really need to talk to anybody. It's just basically the thoughts in my head or could be nothing in my head or music. And for me, that's how I kind of get into the zone. But when it comes to my friendships, um, it's more like just the things that we enjoy to do doing together. That's the fundamental basis of all human relationships, the common attraction to something, which is mm. what sports is to many people and food is to others, right? Mm. And when you analyze it, right, so human beings are very social in nature and we are extremely tribal in nature. We associate with where we're from, what language you speak, what religion we have we have possessed, what teams we support, yeah, because what you food could we be, like to eat, and right. we're very tribal. Yeah. You, you could understand? be 10,000 kilometers away from KL. Exactly. We could be in some tiny little town in US. And we will somehow pick up an accent, a Malaysian accent, and we will be drawn to talk to that person. Mm. And then you'll be like, hey, you sound Malaysian. Are you from blah, 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 blah? And then the person will be like, no, no, I'm from Ipoh. And then as usual, there'll be five degrees of separation, right? Whether it's a school, a family friend, a common habit or something. And we connect with that person instantly. So you are right. We are tribal. We are very tribal. And I think think it was Sebastian Younger. uh, He was also the novelist who wrote The Perfect Storm, the movie with Mark Mm. Wahlberg. He wrote a book, I think, a few years ago called The The Madness of Crowds. No, no, the the writer of the story. The the script, yeah. Sebastian Younger. So he wrote that um, we are all possessed by something which draws us together, whether it's from people from Penang or people of Cantonese, you know, background or from Malaysia. And um, that's that's what draws us together. So, so sports is a manifestation of that tribal nature. Do you think that's COVID changed things though? It did, it did. But I think at heart of it, because this is something which goes to our very uh, roots. Mm. Um, COVID for two years does not remove that. Mm. Just as how human beings are drawn to you know levels of hierarchy, we are also very drawn to tribal nature, our tribalistic nature. I agree with you, Chuang, because for me, um, back when I was doing a lot of cycling, road cycling, because of the the community of it, right? Um, and so we actually form a very strong bond, and yeah. we have something in common to talk about. Always, maybe about a new route, a new bike, perhaps yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's not just limited to the group that you hang out with, because the moment you you talk about cycling to another person in another country, for example, yeah. that's the shared interest there. And even in, during the pandemic, um, because we can do it on Zoom. 
Zwift, which is the uh, virtual yeah. uh, cycling uh, platform, the, the the passion still continues, you know, and and we still have a common topic. I mean, we yeah. would be like logging <clears throat> into Discord and then we'd be like chatting away and we're still cycling. It's it's just something that you yeah, can it's true. continue to form Absolutely. the bond. When I first joined journalism in the 90s, right, 1997, Hoketa, do you remember the edge yeah. editor, yeah. managing editor? He told me that... He's still there, isn't the, he? Well, oh, yeah, oh. but he's taken kind of like a, I, I think a more quiet role, I think, mm. but he's still active. Like. He told me that back in the day, right, you, you, if you're a press, if you're part of the press corps, if you're, if you're a journalist, you can go anywhere in the world. You go to the local national press club, right? Mm. And then you can straight away bond in terms of how you procure stories, how you develop context, how you write your pieces, you know, searching for the exclusive. So, so those things are what bonds people together. And I think we are very tribal in nature, which is what this story is all about. Okay, 6.14 in the morning. We'll come back after this with more BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The War on Drugs with Red Eyes. This is BFM uh, Morning Run with Ku uh, Chong, Wong Xiaoning and Tan Chen Li. Now, again from The Atlantic, this story uh, that zones in, zooms in on Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. But I think generally speaking, of the whole idea of free speech because Elon Musk wants to propagate free speech uh, a platform on, and, and Twitter is a platform on which many people see it has, uh, you know, the ideal uh, ability to propagate free speech but has its limitations. That's right. I think this article talks about uh, uh, so-called the question of a week is what is the tension between free speech and content moderation. So how do we draw a balance between the two? Because you cannot be having too much of one and not the other. It, definitely it would bring imbalance to the whole uh, communication or media world, right? So how, I mean, in my point of view, I think that um, definitely, you know, there's some level of free speech is of course welcome, but there are certain limitations or certain um, lines that you have to draw in terms of hate speech, and uh, misinformation. You don't want to be spreading lies or information that's not been um, uh, cross-checked before it goes public because people will be retweeting it and it will be spreading across the world, right? Yeah, Elon Musk's definition of free speech is people that you don't like saying things that you don't approve so of. So you know what this means, platform. right? Well, yeah. Guess who's back? Well, I, well who? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Donald Trump is probably going to be back because he's well, been he banned. He's had a lifetime ban on Twitter, although he has come out to say that he doesn't want to come back in. He, he, but you know, you never know. He's social media platform yeah, so she sure says he's going to stay on that platform yeah but that's uh, what he says that's what he says <laughs> yeah we'll see but of course this ownership of Twitter by Elon and his ethos behind buying it is an interesting one and I struggle with it because I, I think I'm probably in the scheme of things 75% a proponent of free speech and 25% of me is a bit torn by it because you're right, Chani. Mm. What happens in eras of, of where you do need to correct misinformation, and I think COVID-19 is a, is a classic example of it. And we're going to use Twitter as an example of, of that too. Because prior to COVID-19, Twitter hardly ever censored anything. They basically allowed almost every tweet out there. But COVID-19 happened, a lot of misinformation with regards to the vaccine, with regards to the virus, with regards to how people die. And then Twitter and a lot of other social media platforms, not only them, because mm. Facebook also did so, mm. started having a stance that they were going to correct this misinformation. Well, the trouble is... We so don't then, know, is we that don't the right time to do it? Is yeah, there ever a right time to do it? I, I don't think so. Content moderation is troublesome at best. And when you don't understand information's accuracy... 
and, and, and content moderators must, in a way, fact-check all the time. Mm. There's so much out there, right? And but how do you fact-check a social... You see, there's a difference, right? It's not a newspaper. No, correct. It's not even it's like public- us on radio where we fact-check certain things that we say. For example, you know, if you, did, if you said something wrong, I would correct you. And if I, did, if I said something wrong, likewise. But social media, no, it's, there's no checking. It's a town square and but, on a public platform. Yeah, but a lot of people have turned to it as their source of news, as their source of information. And that's when things get a bit hairy. Well, in my opinion, right, and I'm, and I'm slightly aligned with you on this, you know, someone like Elon Musk is trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. He's trying to solve um, inner city traffic. He's trying to solve uh, a crowded earth. He's, he's trying to solve, um, you know, fossil fuel and, and environmental degradation. I mean, these are big problems, right? What other bigger problem is there than the um, propagation of free speech and the limitations placed on that by platforms, right? And I think if anyone can do it, this fella can, lah, you know. And mm. in his own unique, strange, warped way, he will find a solution. And I think that's why Twitter's bot allowed him to go ahead with this transaction. I he, thought he was best friends with Jack Dorsey, who came out to say that may, but Jack, Jack Dorsey was like very pro him taking over the well, company. Well, he is. And that's why Jack Dorsey's name card now reads Blockhead. It, it does. This is new title, right? Because he's spending all the time on Block, his new payments platform. Yeah, but when we talk about content moderation, then we, we I want to think about, you know... Um, who should be responsible for this? Is it the platform or the social media platform's uh, responsibility completely? Or is this the content, the people who put up the content? You know, I, I, I always think that... Uh, people who put up the content, you mean yourself. So let's say I tweet a lot. Do I then sell the censorship? I don't think you can... Okay, no, people, you don't censor. You, yeah. you, I can tell you 99% of people who tweet don't. They want that opinion out there. They're not going to stop for a second and think, hey, is this absolutely factually correct? It's different from, let's say, someone from the media. Of course, we have some media individuals who love to treat and that's correct. But for most people who are just treating for the fun of it, I don't think they really fact check that much. Yeah, because information and the accuracy can be diluted when it gets passed from person to person. It gets lost in translation. You know that, that, like that Bill Murray movie, right? Mm. And it's absolutely true. When it gets passed down to the nth degree, it may be just a shadow of its former self. And that's the problem. And that's why these platforms have so much difficulty in moderating content. To me, as an ultra-libertarian, I should think it should be completely uh, moderator-free and let 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 all hell go loose. Because oh, really? that is the ultimate incarnation of free speech. Okay, I think when we're talking about social media platforms, for example, the concept of free speech where you're using any platform, the one thing companies can do at least have transparent guidelines in terms of what they allow and they don't allow. Yeah, within the realms of the law. Within but the realms of the law and maybe for that platform, this is what they want, to f- what they believe in. Yeah. Another platform might have a different standard, but at least be clear about what your standards are. Yeah, so so for people like me who study law and we understand how laws can change by you know people in power, laws are malleable, right? And that's why the law itself is it can be a troublesome concept. Which is why press should be that check and balance. Yes, correct, and that's why you've got editors. But the thing is, if you don't like what you see on Twitter, then don't go on it, lah. Right? Mm. If you don't like what you hear on radio by a particular station, don't, well, just don't just turn it just on. But then that, that turns us into our silos, and maybe this explains well, no. why the world is so divided, and that's yeah, the way we it, also. 
also how we vote, for example, mm. like France. You're either very left or very right and hardly anyone is in the centre because you're allowed to go into the rabbit hole that you like so much. This is clearly an issue that we can be discussing for many, many times to come. But uh, this is something which will concern everybody for uh, the future. It is 6.26. We'll come back after this with Tears for Fears with Pale Shelter, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was uh, The Clash with Revolution Rock, sounding decidedly Jamaican. I'm Chuang with uh, Chen Li and uh, Xiaoning. Now it's time for international news and I'm going to pass the baton to Wong Xiaoning, who does look as if she's raring to go like Usain Bolt. Uh, not so much. One company not raring to go is Robin Hood. Remember them? They cut they were 9% the, of their staff. Yeah, they were a super duper hero during the work from home era. Share prices were like, you know, basically thanks to them, certain uh, GameStop was one of them. Blockbuster video all hit all time high without any reason to, thanks to Robin Hood, because everybody, everybody became a day trader when they were stuck at home. Guess what? Their revenue. Their results came out and revenue tumbles as retail trading loses steam. Basically, everybody's gone back to work. Everybody's gone back to their old lives. Nobody has got time to day trade anymore. And as a result, the revenues at this US retail brokerage dropped 43% from a year ago, hitting only $300 million. Well, this time last year, the day traders were uh, li- fully liquid liquid with steamy checks that came no from... No more. Say goodbye to no those more. checks. So those days are gone. Um, I want to talk about a, li- a little Bloomberg story citing sources that uh, one of um, Elon Musk's uh, pitches to the, to the Twitter board in terms of where his takeover was that he was going to look at the bottom line and cut both costs and jobs. I also want to talk about a tweet from uh, a crypto user that uh, completely unverified, by the way, that, that discusses the potential for Twitter's um, source code to be open open source and for it to even accept payments in Ethereum. So that's that's interesting. Well, what have you got, Chen Li? Yeah, so other than Robinhood, you know, uh, recording not depressing numbers, US GDP uh, also decreased at an annual rate of 1.4% in the first quarter of 2022, citing um, decrease in private inventory investment, exports, federal government spending, and uh, and, and, and imports are not yeah. doing that well. Yeah. No, so what we're going to do is we're going to ask Carlos Casanova all these questions as to why uh, US first quarter GDP did uh, did drop to 1.4% after hitting 6.9% in the previous quarter. Exactly. Finding out, should we starting should we start getting nervous and what are the reasons for this? And I think more importantly, are we going to see another decline in next quarter? So do tune in. That's going to be happening after the 7am news bulletin. Yeah, actually, ARK Investments' Kathy Wood was in the news last night. She was saying that, she was basically saying um, that something that everybody is suspecting, which is the only way that the Fed can cool inflation is to send the economy into a recession and there's nothing more effective than... <laughs> cutting demand than mm. basically recession. Well, um, no, recession is, is just two quarters two of quarters negative of declines, negative right? Yeah. And right. it doesn't necessarily mean that the economy comes to a grinding halt. It's just whether the markets are comfortable with seeing this technical recession and have they already started to price that in. And whether or not those 50 basis points cuts will actually occur. Uh, I think pretty much the May one is pretty done. It's just after that, when will they do the next one? When is the next FOMC? You got, you got direct line to Jay Powell, is it? Well, I hope so. Just tell Zero <laughs> on my phone and I, hey, hey, Jerome, hey, Jerome, Jay, Jerome, Jay, Jerome. Jay. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I want to talk about um, Ukraine, the, the issues stemming from there. And there is concern that... Uh, Moldova will be facing a dangerous moment amid fears that it could be drawn into the Ukraine war. And this is coming out of the Guardian headline. So the repercussions is spreading, right, to all the countries which neighbour Ukraine. Because Russia does 
like to look at all its ex-republics with yeah. a bit of a green eye. The ones who joined NATO, yeah? Yeah, and keeping in line on uh, Russia, so yesterday we were talking about how Russia re, uh, demanded people who buy gas from them to pay in rubles. And so EU actually have stepped up and say that opening account in rubles to pay for Russian gas would violate sanctions imposed by the bloc. So... I think a lot, about 10 companies has already opened accounts with the uh, Gazprom Bank. So I think they have to definitely, you know, sort this out, you know, because every day there's different things that are coming out from this front. Yeah, make no mistake that that Ukraine crisis is not, it's not going away anytime no, soon. No, it's not. And um, switching to the other side of the world that's also facing a bit of a crisis is, of course, China with its COVID-19 strategy, zero COVID-19 strategy and its lockdown. Next city on the list is megacity Guangzhou. They've cancelled, and this is according to the Singapore Straits Times, they've cancelled hundreds of flights on Thursday, launched mass testing of 5.6 million people after one suspected COVID-19 case. I don't know why. As the battle to contain this coronavirus spreads across the country. Just so you get belief, one, yeah. one, and then you lock down a whole city. <laughs> Malaysia had about 40-something thousand cases. <laughs> Imagine right, the whole country would be in a lockdown. <laughs> All 33 million of us. I've got good news for fans of James Cameron because uh, he started, well, in fact, Disney has released the first trailer for the sequel to Avatar. Remember Avatar? I've never watched it. It is amazing. It is amazing. We were really just talking amazing. about it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I haven't watched two classic films which I got laughed about. One was Avatar and the other one's Titanic. Oh my, well, actually, yes. <laughs> in the first instance, you don't miss it, the second you do. Um, Avatar was the biggest grossing film in history, right? So there's been four sequels planned. The last one will run in 2028. So uh, I think the sequel will be called The Way of Water, and it'll hit North American theatres December 16th and Malaysia beyond that. So all that to watch out for. 6.46 in the morning, we'll come back after this with local news in turn, uh, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was Sade with Paradise, one of the seminal songs from the 80s. I'm Chuang with Shaoning and uh, Tan Chen Li. Now, it's time to look at the local news, and I've got page two of the Edge CEO brief in front of me. And apparently, according to sources, um, Bank Nagara is going to be uh, announcing and unveiling the successful applicants for its digital bank licenses today on Friday, April 29th. According to sources... Um, unverified, of course. This is nearly a month after the central bank's original deadline. Mm. And just to uh, reiterate, uh, these digital bank licenses are meant to serve the underserved and underbanked in the population. Mm. Generally speaking, the, the B40s and the M40s maybe. And there are 15, well, 15 consortium applicants for I thought the there were 29 altogether. 29 applications. Um, 29 applications and then they will be drilled down to five. Well, right. well, I think this is a snapshot of the 15 the, applicants that were maybe narrowed more down. More likely that, you know, probably the ones that have a, a better chance. Maybe. But uh, AirAsia teamed up with BigPay, MIDF, uh, E-Class. YTL teamed up with Singapore CC, of course, owns mm. Shopee and Garena. CAF and CAF Group and Partners. Uh, there's a lot of Eon Credit as well with their consortium. Um, Greenpack and Zico. Greenpack and Zico, actually. And I'm surprised. Zico, I mean, it's like a law firm slash consultancy, Yeah, consulting, right? yeah. Um, that's interesting. It is very interesting, actually. I mean, and, and one of it, the main one, I mean, not main, um, Touch and Go is not in there. They don't want to. Exactly. They, they feel they don't need to. And they have already launched their own uh, version of it, like mm. the Go Pinjam and all that. And then, uh, then you kind of wonder, is I there mean, a the way? only bank who participated was Irish B. That's right. Because right. they, they, they are like, hey, we are digital already. Why do we need a digital bank license? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's the question I have as well. It doesn't mean that you can actually not need this digital banking you license. You don't need just to. Go ahead, actually, right? the, if you're no, already... People like you who have a bank account with lots of money, right? um, you don't need one of those digital bank licenses. <laughs> not you, Shanik. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Let's moving along. Let's talk about another <laughs> regulator because this mm. is Bank Negara, right? So let's talk about what's happening at the SC. And I'm referring to the Singapore Straits Times because uh, the headline there is... 
Malaysia's financial watchdog chief resigns amid concern over reprieve for troubled firm. And that troubled firm is, I do believe, Cyberdynamic. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yes. the um, and his exit is because of the controversial decision by the AG uh, to withdraw criminal charges. Purportedly, yeah. Let's, so let's use that word. Yes. <laughs> so we don't know really what happened there because instead of actually uh, um, uh, doing a, a criminal charging them, the four uh, directors they actually just issue a fine, three million each, and that kind of posed a lot of question. What really happened behind the scene? Yeah. So Dato Said uh, Said's exit is actually just six months into his three year renewal of um, this corporate lawyer's tenure. So he's leaving early and I think that that usually says quite a fair bit without saying very much. Yeah, and the quote from his uh, letter to the board was that uh, the SE's integrity, professionalism and dedication were tested and proven many times as they ceaselessly worked to ensure the stability and con- continuity of the capital market. But then he resigned. So, so who's testing it? Who's testing it and what pressures have come. Mm. And in his place now, we have the former Deputy Governor of Bank Negara, uh, a gentleman named Dr. Dr. Awang Adek who in. Uh, um, so he's he's taken the helm of uh, essentially Malaysia's uh, primary financial market regulator. Yeah, who plays a critical role in making sure that capital markets move are along are uh, free and fair and also run according to all the guidelines and rules. Yes, and on a lighter note, um, since we were announcing about that re- the so-called optimization of the SOP, um, schools are back to pre-pandemic system. So the use of face masks is still uh, enforced, but the other SOPs and restrictions, including physical distancing, uh, sports and outdoor activities, boarding school admission, dining, parental visitation, all that is allowed already. Okay, I want to follow up on that, and this is on page 6 of the STAR. And this is a point brought up by the Parent Action Group for Education uh, Chairman, uh, Datin No Azima. She is not apparently keen with the revised ruling allowing unvaccinated teachers to return to teaching students face-to-face in the school. Mm, that's mm. a good point, though. Yeah, so there is some concern there. Now, I, I think because everybody is probably on their, you know, driving on their way home or there'll be a lot of movement on the roads. I do want to highlight that according to page 11 of the Star, uh, drive carefully. That's the advice by the Meteorological Department for those joining the Balik Kampung Rush because there's going to be a lot of rain and thunderstorms in most states. So Penang, Perak, Kedah, Labuan, Sabah are forecasted to see rain and thunderstorms throughout the day and even here Negri Sembilan KL actually basically which city is not affected which state is not affected mm. just drive carefully on the road because there's going to be a lot of traffic yeah we've been seeing a lot of flash floods in Klang Valley the last few days yes and uh, May 1st is coming and this marks another important date which is the the day that we will start imposing the minimum the new minimum wage from 1200 ringgit to 1500 ringgit well of course you know as usual and the, the, you know we still have a lot of mixed opinions about this um, minimum wage hike uh, I think bis- some businesses would like for them to be gr- a gradual increase instead of a abrupt increase. So how this will play out is definitely something that we need to watch out for. Yeah, that is a 25% hike. Um, I want to see the... whether any company actually sees a margin squeeze. Exactly, <laughs> because profit margins can be quite That's fat, right. yes. especially in the Malaysian Semiconductor Industry in... Association, which said it's extremely disheartened with the government's decision and 40% of their workforce to be impacted. Let's see what happens in terms yeah, of Yeah, let's the... see the proof in the pudding, man. That's right. Okay, 6.55 in the morning. We'll come back after this with Sudirman with the Balik Kampung, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.